0: Thanks to Caliper CBD for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Caliper is the first to provide consistent, convenient, and precise CBD in a water-soluble powder. Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless and mixes easily in any food or drink. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code AG at trycaliper.com AG. And thanks to Worthy for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Worthy believes you deserve an easier way to sell your valuable jewelry. Go to worthy.com AG to get started. That's worthy.com AG.
1: This is Jack Bryan, the co-writer and director of Active Measures, and you are listening to Mother She Wrote. Lucky you.
0: So to be clear, Mr.
2: Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs.
1: That's what he
0: said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is.
1: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
0: Hello and welcome to Mueller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and because of social distancing and a shelter-in-place order in California, I am alone in the studio today. But we will be hearing from Jordan later in the show. She's going to deliver her hot note, which is very important. You want to stick around for that. Uh, As I said, California is in -in shelter-in-place mode, so we're doing our part and staying home. We're doing our part for the healthcare workers out there and for the population at large. Uh, For the latest coronavirus news, please check out our sister podcast, The Daily Beans, which comes out first thing Monday morning uh, or tonight if you're a patron, and Jordan will be recording a segment about coronavirus uh, and Russian disinformation today on the show in Hot Notes, so there'll be a little news there uh and we have a lot of news today and i have an interview i got to talk to charlotte climber so that'll be the interview today she's an activist a writer an advocate uh, an army vet just an absolutely just treasure gem of a human being i absolutely love her so you'll definitely want to stick around for that uh we do have a lot of news to get to today uh but before we do that uh let's get some corrections out of the way
2: it's a mistake
0: it's hard for me to say i'm sorry Made a mistake. OK, so from Angela Rush, uh, she says, I'd like to start letting you uh, by letting you ladies know I truly believe y'all have provided an integral part of our political news for this shitty presidency. I sincerely thank you all. You're welcome, Angela. Uh, when you are all pushing locally owned restaurants, I get it, I do. Local and small businesses are very important. But can you also think of the people that have their livelihoods dependent on if a person gets a fast food burger? There are hundreds of people locally in one company, Bay Area and L.A., that make the buns for Carl's Jr., Jack in the Box and in and out among others. They are considered to be essential workers to keep these stores open. My husband is one of them and his job is in danger. So thank you very much, uh, Angela, for pointing that out. Please make, you know, consider uh, that how many people work behind the scenes and in in the drive throughs in these major chains as well. It's not just about, you know, because the CEO makes a zillion dollars that we don't need to support um, the supply chain for for all these places and, you know, spread it out, spread out the love. So thank you very much for that uh, correction. I do appreciate it. From uh, Sarah Schlagenhoff. She says, I love your show. It's a very important correction regarding asthma as a risk condition for coronavirus. Asthma is absolutely a risk condition, especially because of the majority of treatments for chronic asthma are the type of steroids that reduce immune system function. Um, I have eosinophilic asthma. I take two different steroids daily just to breathe. And I wanted to mention this since it's very important for high-risk groups to be hyper aware for their own safety. Thank you. So thank you, Sarah. Um, From Brian Shirley and also Stephen Harris Scott. I love your show. Quick correction. The Spanish flu did not start in Spain. Spain was the only country that suffered from the flu that didn't actively hide it from its people. So early media accounts of the flu came from Spain, and that's how it got its name. Scientists and historians really don't know what country the 1918 flu started in. Uh, The first recorded case was at a military base in Kansas, so I will always call it the 1918 flu. Calling it the flu of 1918, um, calling the flu of 1918 the Spanish flu is a little unfair because it wasn't for Spain. If it wasn't for Spain's honesty in fighting the epidemic, many more people probably would have died from that flu. So thank you for that information. Good to know. And, you know, because I I don't know about y'all, but every once in a while when I talk about how these people need to stop calling it the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus, They always pop up and say, oh, what about the Spanish flu? And what about the bird flu? What about the Asian flu of 1950? So thank you for that information. I think we'll all be better armed to deal with these uh, racist Trump supporters who really want to call it the Asian flu when they when they start doing that on social media, as they already have. Um, From Diana F., uh, you three are lifesavers. Thank you so much for your daily dose of all things newsy, normal and zany. You're welcome. Uh, the correction is if for some reason there's no election. I think you said recently that old Yeller's term would end with no elected president and that Speaker Pelosi would assume the presidency, though reassuring. I don't think that is correct because Pelosi's term also ends in January. Um, all the reps' terms end in January. And if so, who's next? Uh, I, I looked into this. I believe it's the pro tem president of the Senate, which would be Leahy. Um, because, you know, the Senate retains two-thirds of its serving members every two years. Uh, And I don't believe Leahy is up for election this year. So that's who it would be. Uh, Although somebody, she says, my my beans are on Angus King, most senior serving senator. Uh, But I do think that in the presidential succession in the Constitution, after the Speaker of the House, it's President Pro Tem. Assuming that we don't have a Speaker of the House because every, you know, all of their terms will end, Uh, then but but then again what do you do if there's no election and you can't just get rid of the entire uh, house of representatives right so maybe there's some sort of provision in the constitution that says they get to stay and therefore it would be nancy pelosi but uh maybe we'll see maybe we'll learn maybe we'll find out um and then she says lastly may we all emerge better from this nightmare for having experienced it so those are corrections. If you have any corrections for us, head to com. click Contact, select Corrections, and build us a compliment sandwich. We'll get it right eventually. Uh, now it is time for this week's news, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right. So the news this week. Andrew Higgins reports in The New York Times um, that it, it, pretty much exactly what we predicted Putin was doing with his government security council shakeup last January by changing the rules last Monday. Uh, Russia's highest court approved constitutional changes that have paved the way for Putin to smash term limits and stay in power until 2036. Uh, In a 52-page ruling, the court removed one of the last obstacles that would have prevented Putin from being president for life. And the final hurdle will be a national referendum scheduled for April 22nd, which is really just a rubber stamp because of the Kremlin's control on the media and the vote, coupled with the ban on public protests. So pretty much, just like all their elections, total sham. Um, the coronavirus could delay the referendum, but Russia has clearly been under-reporting their numbers, and they don't exactly have a good track record for protecting their population, Chernobyl comes to mind, and uh, uh, as well as this last nuclear explosion that we still haven't heard about uh, much about, other than it was like a mobile boat reactor that exploded, and uh, fallout stations were taken offline that were you know, detecting uh, the radiation in the air. So they don't really have a super great track record for, you know, making public health problems known to their citizens. Um, They've only reported 93 cases of COVID-19. Putin has already been in power for 20 years there, either as president or prime minister, And um, was due to step down in 2024. But the term limits were swept aside this week by lawmakers who voted to reset the clock to zero when Putin's term runs out, allowing him to run for two more six year terms. So there we go. Uh, We put beans on it. Beans came true. Sorry to say I hate when those kinds of beans come true, but they do. Uh and we have some Michael Cohen news. Um, a blast from the past from Adam Klasfeld, uh from Tuesday of this week. Cohen's attorney is asking his sentencing judge to switch his client to house arrest to protect him from the coronavirus in the quote absence of presidential leadership. <laughs> so uh basically using uh Trump's incompetence to see if he can leave jail and be on house arrest. Um Uh, Cohen's attorney attached an exhibit to the letter, which is an entry from the Sentencing Law and Policy blog asking when federal authorities will start systematically modifying sentencing in response to the outbreak. Here's the letter uh, Cohen's lawyer sent uh, to Judge Pauley. I write you uh, as a follow up on my March 9th letter and Chief Judge Colleen McMahon's directive. Addressed to the court protocols be followed in the Southern District as consequences of the coronavirus epidemic. This letter seeks to focus my pending application on a sentence modification as a consequence of the Bureau of Prisons being demonstrably incapable of safeguarding and treating BOP, Bureau of Prisons, inmates who are obliged to live in close quarters and are uh, at an inherent risk of catching coronavirus. Uh, Turning to the merits of the pending Rule 35 application, I urge the court to consider my client's exposure to the coronavirus and grant Rule 35 motion uh, to the extent of modifying the previously imposed 36-month sentence to be served on home confinement. I attach some thoughtful commentary from the blog Sentencing uh, Law and Policy in the Absence of Presidential Leadership. Uh, Judges should act thoughtfully and decisively. President Trump apparently does not subscribe to President Harry Truman's observation The buck stops here. Very, very truly yours. Roger Bennett Adler, attorney for defendant Michael D. Cohen. So I think that's a little colorful there. Doesn't he? Apparently, uh, Trump doesn't uh, subscribe to Harry Truman's observation. The buck stops here. Very, very clever, very colorful. Interesting for a court document. Um, And uh, check this out. Do you all remember a, a day that will live in infamy? November 8th, 2018. Uh, that was the last day Fox News tweeted from their account at Fox News, having normally tweeted about 250 times per day. Uh, That uh, was the day uh, before the, well, the day before the Fox News Twitter account went dark. We had noted that Rupert Murdoch was on the hill Capitol Hill, met with Mitch McConnell. We had posited there was something weird going on. There was some kind of, They, like, maybe Fox was in some sort of legal jeopardy or they wonder under some sort of gag order. But most said they stopped tweeting because Tucker Carlson was boycotting Twitter because people were being mean to him. Well, after 14 months of silence, Fox News tweeted this week on March 18th, saying, Keep up with all the latest COVID-19 news, including tips on keeping safe and stories of survival, struggle and inspiration. And watch Fox News Channel on television or online. No authentication required. Uh, They continue to tweet um, all about coronavirus. We have no idea what other than the outbreak prompted them to break their silence, nor do we have any clarity on why they went dark in the first place. Either it was because of the boycott, uh, which is sort of what everyone's saying, what Fox News wants us to say, wants us to think, or maybe they had been shut down. And maybe they, you know, maybe they're back under some kind of policy that allows them to tweet during a national emergency as a quote unquote news organization. And as we know, Trump declared a national emergency on March 13th. Uh, If we learn anything, we will let you know about why they're all of a sudden tweeting again uh, with with little to no fanfare. And the Department of Justice has sent a letter to Congress asking them to suspend some aspects of due process. Uh, I have a full interview with the host of the On Topic podcast and former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti about what the Department of Justice is asking for, the implications of what they're asking for, and the likelihood that Barr will get what he's asking for. Uh, And all of that takes place on our sister podcast, The Daily Beans. It comes out first thing Monday morning or this evening, Sunday evening, for premium Patreon subscribers. Uh, They're asking for hearings to take place, uh, basically court hearings to take place over teleconference, but without the defendant's permission. That's very bad. They're asking uh, to stop habeas corpus. And and they want to block all asylum seekers with COVID-19 from seeking asylum in the United States, which means they would need to test everyone who is seeking asylum. Um, And there are other requests, but this would have to get past Democrats in the House. So tune in to the Daily Beans for an in-depth interview on these requests from the Department of Justice, Bill Barr's Department of Justice, and shout out to Betsy Woodruff-Swan at Politico for getting the scoop. Incredible reporting. Check out that story. We'll be right back after this quick word with hot notes, including a coronavirus Russian disinformation campaign, and that's going to be a story from Jordan, uh, and you'll definitely want to hear that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Muller She Road is brought to you by Caliper. Countless products promised to promote wellness, drastic diets, extreme fitness routines, uh, over the top supplement regimens. Uh, the list never ends. And who says taking care of yourself needs to be so hard? It's just, it's unbelievable. It doesn't have to be that hard. And what's great about CBD is that it helps you feel better without making drastic changes to your routine. But let's be real, Uh, droppers full of funny-tasting tinctures never felt like the best modern science had to offer. Uh, In comes Caliper, a better way to consume CBD. Caliper believes that everyone deserves to feel better, naturally, and drastic changes shouldn't be required. That's why they made a more precise and reliable CBD product that's easier to take than CBD oil. Caliper CBD uh, is the first to provide consistent, convenient, and precise CBD in a water-soluble powder that you can't taste or smell. And unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless, so you get all the benefits of CBD in a dissolvable powder that mixes easily with your food or your drinks. And you can feel better naturally without upending your lifestyle. I love that Caliper CBD comes in a convenient pre-measured packet, so I don't have to worry about how much I'm taking. And I can easily integrate it into my daily routine by adding it to my morning coffee or my protein shake. Uh, I like that it doesn't have a weird grassy flavor. And best of all, Caliper CBD really helps with, you know, a lot of uh, just... you know, stress and helps me feel calm. Uh, I feel less achy and, and it even helps me sleep a little bit. So, Uh, And this is the best part. Your body absorbs caliper more rapidly than with oils. Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's twice as fast as CBD oil. And it's clinically proven that your body absorbs 450% more CBD with caliper as compared to tinctures. Caliper is made with all natural non-GMO ingredients. No fillers, no chemicals, no artificial flavors. And it comes in affordable 10 and 30 count packs. And you can get started for under 20 bucks. So... Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code AG at trycaliper.com/ag. Caliper is so sure you'll love the product, they even offer a 30-day money back guarantee. That's trycaliper c a l i p e r.com/ag and don't forget don't forget promo code AG for 20% off your first order. Hot notes
1: hello welcome to jordan's hot note from her living room uh it i miss you all very much and this sucks but it's okay we're gonna get through it but this is the first of many days that we're probably going to be recording remotely following the rules uh i'll get right into it my hot note is a russia-centric hot note because don't forget about those guys you know that they're there capitalizing off of this shit so here we go eu officials are warning that pro-kremlin propaganda wings are trying to sow panic and fear In the population as it relates to coronavirus by spreading disinformation, the EU's External Action Service is a group that researches and combats disinformation on the web, and they said that since January 22nd, they've recorded around 80 instances of the peddling of disinformation by pro-Kremlin media. This is a direct quote: "The overarching aim of Kremlin disinformation is to aggravate the public health crisis in Western countries." specifically by undermining public trust in national healthcare systems, thus preventing an effective response to the outbreak. That's according to the report. So, essentially what they're doing is amplifying the contradictory messages that are popping up in regards to the virus to try, and and just crazy theories that are organically popping up to try to amplify distrust in the Western institutions that are at the helm of the response to this virus in those uh, regions. So, It's not that they're necessarily creating the crazy, you know, conspiracy theories themselves so much as they're picking up on them and then amplifying them and just using what other people already started, basically, which is interesting because it's really similar to new reporting on how they're interfering in our elections in 2020. It's not even that they're necessarily creating so many of those fake accounts for the purpose of generating propaganda themselves, it's that they're creating accounts and creating algorithms to amplify the messages that people are already putting out on their own. So just weaponizing people against each other, basically, which is, you know, what they're a pro at. Uh, The disinformation has targeted international audiences in all languages, English, Italian, Spanish, Arabic, as well as Russian and other languages. Um, there's been a huge U.S. State Department report from last month that said thousands of Russian-linked social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter were also spreading disinformation about the coronavirus. So this is this is an effort that is going noticed by multiple governments. Um, and it's it's good that it's going noticed. I, I would I would I would imagine they're particularly on watch during a time like this. But then again, resources are very thin right now as everyone's trying to deal with this this virus, but Facebook and Twitter said that the State Department didn't provide evidence that would allow the companies to investigate and possibly shut down the accounts. I don't know exactly how you can issue a U.S. State Department report and have that not count as evidence. I don't know if what they need is specific names of the accounts or or, or what, what missing piece it is that they somehow weren't able to provide Facebook and Twitter, but unfortunately maybe this is just another example of them standing by the wayside when really they could be doing a lot to stopping this because this is not a time to like fuck around with disinformation obviously we're already seeing the consequences of that people that don't believe that this is real and, and that you know it's a witch hunt and following words that came out of trump's mouth weeks ago that they're still holding on to. I don't know if they're not watching Fox News currently or something, if they're only nostalgic for the good times, the witch hunt times. But Trump is now even on board with at least some of the messaging in terms of staying at home and not gathering in large groups and everything. So I don't know how that's still perpetuating itself. But my point is, if there was more cohesive messaging and people were being held accountable for non-cohesive messaging that was being amplified, then maybe we wouldn't have so many people going out there making this quarantine less effective and lasting a longer amount of time than maybe it really needs to. But who knows? I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I'm just sitting in my living room alone with sweaty hands, giving this hot note, anxious and scared. I hope you all are doing great. I love you. Uh, Everything will get better. And stay strong. And we'll be back together, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Okay, thanks. All
0: right. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for sending us that update uh, and that story. It's kind of harrowing there. But as the week goes on, we will be recording conversationally as we figure out the tech. So bear with us. Um, My hot note today is about a story from last week about the Concord Management case. If you'll remember, over the past year, at least, we've been bringing you updates on the Mueller prosecution against Evgeny Prigozhin and his companies, Concord Management and Concord Catering. Um, And both, you know, Concord Management ran the Internet Research Agency, known as the IRA, in St. Petersburg during the hack of the 2016 election. They were trolling. Uh, It was all laid out in Volume 1 of the Mueller report. And Concord Management was the only Russian entity or individual indicted that hired American lawyers and appeared in court. Um, It became apparent pretty quickly That they were just trolling the courts and using them to get their hands on our investigative sources and methods through the process of discovery so they could send that information off to the Kremlin. And at one point, they did get some documents from discovery, used those to create fraudulent falsified documents, and then claimed they had hacked Mueller, the Mueller investigation, a story that went nowhere, by the way. We actually, I think, brought it up and laughed. Um, The judge, Judge Friedrich, even scolded the American lawyers for Concord Management for their controversial and unconventional briefings and motions, telling them to knock it off, quote, knock it off, unquote, as they were using the F-bomb, I can say fuck, and quoting movies like Animal House and even cartoons like Sylvester and Tweety Bird, which I would normally be 100% behind, but not in court filings. So after all that. And after Russia asking for all U.S. intelligence investigative sources and methods going back to World War II, uh, it had appeared that the prosecutors had had enough and just asked the judge to dismiss the case, which he did the same day they filed the motion to dismiss the case. I had spoken to Glenn Kirshner because I was like, what? Kirshner is a 30-year veteran at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office who agreed with me that this seemed like it was the Mueller prosecution team putting their foot down to stop the trolling of the courts. And that appeared to be the end of that. However, this week, both Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler have penned letters to the Department of Justice asking for clarification on the decision to shut down this case and question the motives of Bill Barr and the Justice Department uh, in closing down this case. And then our friend Barb McQuaid, former U.S. attorney, uh, she's been on the show a few times wrote a piece for just security about the case, saying, quote, another curious filing by the Department of Justice should not be lost amid news about COVID-19 in yet another reversal in a case initiated by special counsel Robert Mueller. DOJ filed a motion to dismiss charges against two Russian businesses. So she mentions the previous filings by the department to seek more lenient lenient sentences for uh, Flynn and and Stone, both associates of Trump. And now this filing to dismiss the charges against Concord Management and Concord Catering. Uh, The filing says the charges should be dismissed for two reasons. This is from the Department of Justice. The DOJ gives two reasons for this. One is the conduct of Concord Management, saying, quote, Concord has demonstrated its intent to reap the benefits of the court's jurisdiction while positioning itself to evade any real obligations or responsibility, unquote. And the second reason the Department of Justice gave was that the prosecution will compromise national security information, and, and then the motion refers to a change in the balance of the government's proof due to a classification determination, and the motion includes a classified addendum, uh, presumably telling the court what that classification was. Uh, Both of those were reasons we posited that this was a good idea to shut it down. However, Barb McQuaid uh, in in her her infinite genius has uh, made an incredibly uh, great point that we should consider. um, Because she and others are arguing that asserting these reasons at this stage of the prosecution does seem suspect to anyone who has prosecuted a national security case before uh, she says it's likely the indictments by Mueller were a name and shame situation intended to expose wrongdoing. Uh, we talk and call them you know, speaking indictments without ever expecting any of the defendants to appear in court, right? Because we don't have an extradition treaty with Russia. They're not going to appear. But it's a rule that prosecutors cannot file indictments unless they believe they have sufficient evidence to obtain and maintain a conviction in open court, even if that day uh, would likely never come. They have to be able to do it. And that decision requires a process known as prudential search in which uh, prosecutors ask intelligence agencies for any material that must be produced to the defense in discovery uh, or that may become public at trial. And because it could become public and they have to give it to the defense in discovery, the material is vetted and decisions are then made, back then, before indictments and charges are brought, as to whether the prosecution outweighs any potential disclosures of intelligence that could undermine national security. So, as we know, Mueller is a by-the-book sort of fellow, and I think we could safely assume he used this method to determine whether to bring charges, and did so knowing the material could come out in discovery. So it would stand to reason that if the special counsel thought that any of this would jeopardize national security if it came out in open court, Mueller would not have brought charges. Uh, of course, Mueller may have vetted the relevant material and brought charges without knowing the Russians would be asking for everything, investigative sources and methods going back to World War II. But at that point, you just say, no, uh, it's irrelevant to this case, and allow the judge to make that determination in court and continue with the prosecution, which is likely uh, what was happening. McQuaid, bar McQuaid says... Taking into account that Trump gave Barr unprecedented authority to make all decisions relating to classified information as part of his review of the Mueller investigation, uh, his decision can only be met with suspicion. And we have to wonder... What in, that that's what Barb says. I say we have to wonder what information Barr did not want getting out in open court, regardless of Concord Management's lawyers' ridiculous requests for discovery beyond what Mueller had determined to be relevant, because none of that would have been allowed anyway. She closes her piece, saying, Barr has famously said that he is not concerned about his reputation because, quote, everyone dies. Uh, he is entitled to hold nihilistic views about himself, but he has a higher duty to the department he leads. So thank you uh to Barb McQuaid for pointing out that very important uh piece there that you know had Mueller, which I'm sure he did, consider that any of this information had it gotten out would be pose a national security risk he wouldn't have he wouldn't have brought charges uh, especially against a Russian who would never show up and we don't have an extradition treaty with in the first place uh and and so then now it does and and again with Jerry Nadler's letter and Adam Schiff's letter. It does carry a little bit of suspicion at that point. So thank you for that information. That was a a really great piece if you get a chance to read it. Uh, It's by Barb McQuaid. So check it out. And with that, it is time for Sabotage. All right, this week for Sabotage. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell has poked her head up out of hiding to file a lawsuit against the estate of Jeffrey Epstein this week, seeking monetary compensation for her legal fees and the personal security she's had to hire because of death threats she's received. Uh, In the lawsuit, she claims she had nothing to do with the sex trafficking operation of Jeffrey Epstein and feels she should be compensated for having to deal with all the lawsuits from Epstein's victims, claiming she orchestrated the trafficking of girls for Epstein. Uh, it's disgusting uh, that she is seeking money to drain money from the estate that should be going to compensate Jeffrey Epstein's victims. But she's filed the suit nonetheless, and she filed it in the British Virgin Islands. And I don't know anything about their legal system to put beans on the suit being dismissed. But I hope that's what happens. I have hope beans, that that uh, lawsuit will be dismissed. We will keep you posted. And with that, let's play the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted. No, oh, it is going to be a... Honey, dick. Indicted! I'm,
1: honey. I'm
0: going to be indicted! Oh, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, so I know the fantasy indictment league probably isn't as fun uh, when I'm just by myself here, but I'm going to go ahead and make five picks anyway, and we'll see how everything shakes out. I am going to pick uh, Gis Lane and Rudy Giuliani, and I think we might see superseding Parnas indictments and superseding Korea indictments, and then I am going to select Pecker, uh, I've selected Pecker. So those are my picks uh, for the Fantasy Indictment League this week, given the sabotage and um, given everything else that's going on. Who knows what's going to be happening in the next six, eight months, uh, honestly. But I'm going to keep doing the show, and uh, um, I'm I'm not going anywhere. So with that, we will be right back with activist, writer, and Army veteran Charlotte Clymer. You don't want to miss this interview, so stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this segment of Mueller She Wrote is brought to you by Worthy. Uh, I'm a big proponent of selling your engagement ring if your relationship ends. (laughs) I might have uh, some experience with this. Uh, Selling jewelry you don't wear frees up negative energy attached to it. And it helps you move on, both emotionally and financially. Worthy believes you deserve an easier way to sell your valuable jewelry. And with Worthy, all you have to do is schedule a free, secure pickup, fully insured by Lloyds of London and tracked by FedEx. And Worthy does all the work for you. And you get total peace of mind throughout the entire process. Uh, Expert gemologists from GIA prepare your jewelry for auction. You're in control at every step of the way. You choose what price to accept, even after you send in your jewelry, which offers a roll-in for up to twice as much as what you'd get from a local jeweler or pawn shop, which is really really helpful, especially now when we might need the money. So you get paid quickly too, within just a few days. And with Worthy, you can trust that you're getting the best possible price for your jewelry. Uh, You may have already seen Worthy on the Today Show. You may have read about it in the New York Times, Washington Post, Forbes, and more. There are tens of thousands of happy sellers who have sold more than $100 million worth of jewelry with Worthy. Uh, Recently, I checked out Worthy. I found their service to be excellent. It's easy to communicate with their staff, who I have found to be extremely helpful, as well as ethical, knowledgeable, and professional. Their website is very easy to use. It's just so user-friendly and it it really just brings you peace of mind. And you can also check out dozens of testimonials and five-star reviews raving about the Worthy experience. Selling your jewelry can be a great way to reinvent yourself and your future. So why would you settle for less than the best price you can get and the best customer service and the most user-friendly website and total peace of mind throughout the entire process? Give Worthy a try. You could get double what you'd get from your local jeweler. Uh, see all the rave reviews and success stories for yourself right on their website. Go to Worthy.com slash AG to get started. That's Worthy, W-O-R-T-H-Y dot com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. Joining us for the interview today is activist, writer, army veteran, and shelterer in place, I assume, Charlotte Clymer. Charlotte, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. Hey, AG. How you doing? Um, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. How are you? How are you holding up? What's your world been like this past week?
2: Oh my goodness. It has been readjusting to I guess all sorts of things, but mainly the new reality that we're facing.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been um almost movie like. Like I almost feel like it's just like it's not really like it's I, I'm having a hard time grasping that it's really actually happening outside my door. You know what I mean?
2: It feels like we're watching ourselves in a way. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel real to some extent.
0: I, I know that's strange. It just doesn't. It, it feels surreal all the time. Yeah. And I'm so good at uh, dissociating and, and watching myself from afar <laughs> that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that it just feels like that's happening to the planet right now. I just I, it's hard for me to, to get my, my head around it. I, I,
2: I'm trying to compartmentalize as best as I can. Um, you know, we, we don't have to process everything in the moment. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can be, you know, best of help to the people around me and also, you know, focus my own self-care and not bite off more than I can chew in terms of just considering everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice uh, to to just take it a little bit, you know, a little bit at a time as you can, uh, because it is a lot. And I know that we're being faced with these press briefings. Are you watching these things as they happen?
2: I have to admit, I am. Um, and I, 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 it's kind of my job to, in any time that Trump or a senior official, you know, does one of these conferences, I, it's, I need to watch it so that I understand what the news cycle is about, but I don't think the media should cover them. (laughs) They are not helpful. They're not meant to be helpful, by the way, that they're, they're meant to present, um, a sense of action that's really not present Uh, Trump is just trying to to, uh, exert a big footprint on the media landscape with these conferences. That's all that's all they're about.
0: Yeah, it seems to me like they're because he can't have his rallies now. These seem like little tiny campaign rallies to me. Yes,
2: that is exactly right. Yes, they are. They are little propaganda vignettes.
0: Ugh. and 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 he and they're they've just been disgusting. And I, I think it was. Yesterday, I think or the day before, he yelled at the reporter like the reporter was like tell us what do you say to people who are afraid and he's like you're a nasty reporter, you're a terrible person and and then he's been he was I remember I think it was uh Dana Bash got got a a a bunch of shit for saying that you know his tone was great and uh but that whatever that tone was that she got in trouble for touting um is gone he's back to just being a t- kind of a testy jerk
2: you know i like dana a lot I, I i i know her in person she's a she's really she's a professional and i'm not sure what she was thinking with that comment but i think you're right it's it was a it was a flash of humility that we we really don't we really haven't seen from him much at least since the 2016 campaign when he lost i think iowa was it mm. um uh, that's the last time we saw that like, kind of flashy humility and now he's back to his Same old self, just that toxic, uh, blustering ego that wants to, you know, kind of override everybody and exert his own opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, While I have you here, you and I are both veterans. Thank you for your service, by the way. Thank you for your service. Uh, No problem. It was, uh, as I like to say, it was in the Navy under Clinton, so it wasn't very hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, we're always sort of qualifying our own. uh, imposter syndrome situations, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you and I are both veterans. And I wanted to talk about something that you have me, you, you might have a unique perspective on. The VA has a fourth mission, and that's to assist the country in times of crises, such as this. And last Friday, that fourth mission went missing from the VA's website. And it wasn't until this week that they marched Secretary Wilkie out to discuss that fourth mission. And, and he had to sort of admit that it was real. I was wondering, how do you think, what do you know about how the VA is responding to this? I know they've only tested a few hundred veterans, and we've already had a death. But how? what are your thoughts on the VA's response to this? First of all, do you use VA? And, and second of all, what are your thoughts on their response to this?
2: I use VA occasionally. I used to get most of my health care through them. Um, now it's only sparingly when I have something that I can't get checked out at uh, like a small clinic. Um, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, before Trump was inaugurated, the VA, I felt, was not the most perfect agency that was run. Uh, but at least they were hyper-focused on trying to improve. Ever since Trump was inaugurated, it seems the leadership of the VA is, you know, largely incompetent. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, you know, there was this, there was this push to privatize the VA, um, or at least put, you know, corporate leadership, uh, over it. Uh, ProPublica did this really great story, I think in late 2018 or early 2019, in which they discussed how Trump essentially handed over the reins of the VA to three corporate leaders who were not formally appointed or confirmed by the Senate. And that it was essentially run through that private triumvirate. Um, and so it, it doesn't really surprise me given that, you know, the most competent officials within the VA have been pushed out or forced out or shamed for speaking out about, you know, the VA's day-to-day ongoings. Uh, so yeah, when I saw that story about the VA erasing that fourth part of their mission, I thought, oh yeah, that that's just another day at Veterans Affairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you seen um, I did a, an interview I think it was last October with uh, Dr. Shulkin, who used to run the vA and he set up the Whistleblower and Accountability Office within the department's uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, and they had a vA Inspector General report on them come out saying it was abysmal they were they were retaliating against whistleblowers, they were pushing out disloyal. Uh, employees and and so I think to speak uh, to you know to exactly to your point of there's just a brain drain at the VA uh, right now and I think that that's going to negatively impact um, what's happening with the coronavirus responses is, is a very legitimate concern so yeah uh, and those three doctors at Mar-a-Lago and then of course we have our Choice Act which was supposed to be temporary passed and signed by Obama in 2014. And then, of course, this Republican president made it permanent, which is to outsource the veteran care to the private sector. Where would the taxpayers pay twice, sometimes three times as much for less quality care? And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's par for the course.
2: And I think it's important for folks to remember that, you know, it's not enough for laws to be on the books. It's It's not enough for protections to be in place. You have to have the infrastructure to enforce them. Uh, we saw that with, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what, what is his name? The um, the army lieutenant colonel who was force of the White House for testifying before Congress. Oh, K- Colonel Vindeman? Colonel Vindman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Colonel Vindman and his brother yeah. were mm-hmm. uh, fired from their White House staff positions after Trump was essentially exonerated by the, uh, or not exonerated, but at least uh, uh, had his articles of impeachment rejected by the Senate. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was a clear... <laughs> That was a clear uh, act of corruption mm-hmm. uh, by the White House, and it was not held accountable by anyone in the federal government. So if you're a whistleblower looking at this, if you're a whistleblower looking at the uh, firings in the VA and the, um, the, the actions across all federal agencies, in which employees have essentially been forced out if they don't toe the line, you know, you're kind of
0: looking at the situation and thinking, what incentive do I have to speak out? Oh, 100%. And one of the day, one of these days, I'll tell you about what happened to my job. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I would love to know. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Uh, I'm still working on some things behind the scenes. But uh, as soon as I am able, I'll I'll, uh, definitely let you know about that. Now, I wanted to talk about uh, your projects and partnerships, including human human rights campaign, Truman Project, how we can help like just tell us about tell us about some of those things.
2: Well, well, one thing that I really want folks to understand is that, you know, amid all of these just massive crises going on, whether it's Corona or Trump's ongoing corruption, LGBTQ rights are under daily assault by the federal government. Uh, You know, in 2015, when Obergefell v. Hodges uh, was, uh, you know, ruled by the Supreme Court and same sex marriage was legalized throughout all 50 states. I think that there was this fear among a lot of LGBTQ advocates that Americans would get complacent and think, oh, so the LGBTQ rights movement is over. Mm. Um, you know, same-sex
0: marriage was a very important, uh, but a small piece of the overall movement. Yeah, it was sort of like how people felt like once Obama was elected, that we were done with racism. That's yeah. exactly right. And so I think that's the, it kind of this very similar feelings that were happening with, with, uh, with what happened in 2015. Right. Um,
2: and it's unfortunate because, you know, in 29 states, in 29 states, most of the country, LGBTQ people can still be fired from their jobs for being LGBTQ. They can be denied credits. They can be denied housing. They can be denied public accommodations. Uh, they can be denied fairness and jury trials. Uh, across the board, there is a lack of federal non-discrimination protections. So... Uh, what we've seen is this, you know, effort by uh, the Trump White House to push, um, you know, Riffer laws, uh, Re- Religious Freedom Restoration Act laws that in the name of religious freedom will oppress LGBTQ people, religious minorities, um, you know, women who uh, seek to uh, have control over their own bodies with you know, reproductive health care across the board, right? Mm. Um, right now, the Supreme Court is... Uh, considering three cases regarding Title VII of the Civil Rights Act that would essentially try to answer the question of whether or not an LGBTQ person can be fired by an employer solely on the basis of their gender identity or sexual orientation. And any day now, uh, it could be next week or, you know, as late as June, they're going to hand down the ruling for those three cases jointly. And they're going to decide whether or not an LGBTQ person can be fired for being LGBTQ. And so what I want folks to understand is that you know, that fight is far from over and we could very well see, you know, even just a few months from now, um, LGBTQ people and not even just LGBTQ people, but folks who are straight or cisgender, um, but, you know, perceive as LGBTQ will be vulnerable and lack those protections in the workplace and have that codified in the law by the Supreme Court. And so we need to make sure that we're fighting against that uh, and that we're demanding from lawmakers federal protections and support of the Equality Act which is the big piece of legislation that would legalize federal non-discrimination protections?
0: That's a uh, really uh, interesting that you bring up. Um, straight and cisgender people who can be perceived as as LGBTQ plus. Um, that's something that um, I personally hadn't considered before. So, oh
2: yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of cis women are have been shocked to discover that they're. Um, I guess their appearance is uh, controlled uh, in these kind of environments or um, discussion of their sex lives or, I mean, not shocked, but in a sense um, surprised that they could be perceived as LGBTQ because for example, they might dress too masculine Mm. or they might not talk about their partners at work or um, they might, you know, decline to have children, which could be perceived as, you know, not being into men or something to that effect. And so, you know, everyone is really vulnerable under these anti-LGBTQ laws. We just don't talk about that a lot because it doesn't make sense. It, it, it seems like the common sense view, even a lot, even among a lot of conservatives is that people are protected based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Marriage is the only right that, you know, uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ people have that is universal in the United States right now.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, well, I appreciate that. Um, you bringing that up? That's a lot. That's a lot to think about. That's really, you know, a lot of intense stuff. Um, and and now with what's going on with coronavirus, and we know it. You know, they're trying to shut the courts down, and and Mitch McConnell has been calling Republican judges that that could retire soon to urge them to retire so that they can be replaced with young, fresh Republican judges who will sit on the bench for decades. Um, And they're trying they're trying to do that before the election, Um, presumably that Trump wouldn't win it and would not be able to appoint any more judges. Um, But, yeah, well, that's really, really um, scary. Yeah. And so and and so is what you, you know, you're talking about, too. We all need to be very vigilant about that. How can people help? How can people get involved in the human rights campaign or, or the Truman Project or anything else that you're working on that where, you know, we can we can do something where we can help make a difference? Well, here's the
2: good news. You know, people don't have to go through to elaborate links to help out in this movement. All you got to do are simple things, register to vote, get your friends and and family to register to vote, and make sure that you and the people around you are supporting pro-equality candidates, and not just LGBTQ, uh, but anyone who is adjacent to the equality movement, whether it's reproductive rights, gun reform, racial justice, uh, support for labor unions, you know, decisions are made by people who show up right mm-hmm. and if we're not you know making sure that we're holding those around us accountable and ensuring that they show up to vote and support pro quality candidates we're not going to have the kind of lawmakers in place who will protect all of our rights mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it's it's so so very basic i think that a lot of people think they have to go show up to a rally uh, and bring a sign and uh you know go to a phone bank and all those things are great and we want you to do those things well, really, when it comes down to it, you gotta fucking vote. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta vote. <laughs> Sharing memes on Facebook and Twitter is not voting. Um, y- you know, uh, uh bringing up uh, a hot political topic at a dinner table is not voting. Mm-hmm. Voting
0: is voting, yeah. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing replaces it. <laughs> it is what it is. Nothing replaces it. Very good. Very good, and and you know you can also volunteer to help register people to vote. Like you said, get your friends and family to vote. Um, well, right now we should be making a huge push to do hand mail and paper ballots um, uh, for this election because we may not be able to go and vote. So we have to make sure it's protected. We have to make sure it's uh, and we have, like you said, the LGBTQ plus issues permeate so many other levels and 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 ideas in government including unions and you know all the things that you mentioned and so it's just very important and i really appreciate you um dang just fucking vote i really like that we should (laughs) just get shirts going or something
2: (laughs) and you know um I, i think also just remember that everyone is stressed out right now yeah and those of us who are in vulnerable communities whether it be lgbtq people folks of color religious minorities women Uh, persons with disabilities, everyone is on edge right now. Everyone's angry. They're irritated. Make sure you're graceful. I know it's so hard sometimes to want to do the right thing and feel like there's a lot of aggression or hostility. Just make sure you see where people are coming from. Recognize their pain. If If you can recognize their pain, that's half the battle. I promise you. Yep,
0: definitely. Thank you so much. uh, Activist, writer, Army veteran, awesome person, Charlotte Clymer. Thank you for coming on to Mueller She Wrote today. I appreciate it. Thank you, A.G.
2: I love you. I'm a big fan. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for doing what you do.
0: (laughs) Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, and, And please be safe. Be safe. All right, everybody, that is our show. Um, and I tell you what, we would love your feedback. Um, so if you have any recommendations about how you'd like this podcast to sound while we're sheltering in place away from each other, let us know on Twitter at she wrote or send us an email, hello at com. You can go to our website, wrotecom click on contact and send us uh, just some, maybe you'd like to hear something or uh, maybe you don't like the... You, something could be better. Something could be improved. Uh, we've never had to record a podcast uh, separately from each other before. And we really, really value your feedback and your input. This show is for you. So we're here for you. So please let us know how we can improve. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and please stay safe. Take care of each other uh, and take care of yourselves. I've been Ag, and this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production, and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios and our website is mullersherote.com. MSW Media.